around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southeast Command. What's happening? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Hello and welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, we are uh, doing one of our customary double-up record days where we recorded something else before this, and now we're recording this. Mm-hmm. In a few days, we'll record something else. <laughs> yeah, we never stop. We never stop recording new stuff. Nope. But uh, when we do this, we often, you know, take a pee break in between episodes. Got you know, it. some podcasts have very humane formats, like uh, where, where you go on and then there'll be like a break in the middle of the show. Yeah. You get a, get a potty break when you hit the midpoint of the show. You know, we're going to go out on tour soon. I should start conditioning my bladder. At this point, I can go <laughs> to the bathroom whenever I want. Yeah. That's going to really bite me when we start yeah. doing live shows again. Lockdown has not been uh, great cross-training for yeah. doing a onstage performance yeah. of those, any length. Those muscles have atrophied. <laughs> Well, we took a little break and my dog, Darwin, had been kind of indicating to me that he needed to go out while we were recording the last thing we recorded. So I went to the bathroom myself and then um, I took Dar out in the backyard and it's quite windy here today. It really is. And my backyard, you know this, maybe the friends of DeSoto don't, but my backyard is uh, just kind of a totally undeveloped square of land. <laughs> There's... A totally ramshackle fencing situation that's probably five years past its replacement date on both sides. Kind of looks like an Old West cemetery if you remove the headstones. Some of the headstones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it also doesn't really have a gate. There's no way to keep the dog in. So when we moved in, there was um, one of those fireplace screens in front of the fireplace. Mm -hmm. And I just brought that to the backyard. And when... We let Dar out in the backyard. We just put that fireplace screen Great across idea. the opening. And he is, you know, he's he has the hops to jump over that, but he doesn't know he has the hops to jump over that. Yeah, better off. So I took him out there. The wind had blown the thing over, which I did not notice because it oh, blew no. away from the yard. So I couldn't see that it was blown over uh, around the corner of the building. And Darwin was running around doing his thing, being a silly goofus, barking at the air. But then he noticed that the gate was open. And it's ve- it's happened very few times that he's like been off leash and gotten away from me. And I don't really know if he's that trustworthy with it because it's always scared me when it's happened. So I just don't, I usually don't bother yeah. testing it. Yeah. This was a what people in the sciences like to call a perfect natural experiment because he saw this thing and made a beeline for it. And I was like looking at something on my phone when I realized what was happening. And I booked after him, but um, also rained last night. So the ground was soggy and a little bit depressed. Oh, and no. I ate shit really bad. No. <laughs> I have a huge oh, look at scrape that. on my forearm because I went down the and- The viewers at home are seeing uh, some blood. Yeah. My uh, forearm hit the metal uh, spike holding the, holding the fence back on the one side when I went down. Oh, that's terrible. The good news is- Darwin just ran around the house and ran right back into the backyard. God, you're so lucky. 
<laughs> it's the worst fear of mine, especially with the puppy, because she's not fully coming when you call her. Like that's yeah. that's like a coin flip. And so yeah. the one time she did get out was at my parents' house. And she yeah. just jailbroke through the front door when someone else is coming in. They weren't careful. Gotta be careful. <laughs> and it was a chase around the street that was luckily not a very busy street at that exact moment. But like yeah, that's yeah. the worst fear right there is is that they don't come back. And I would I would get dropped out of a plane onto a fence <laughs> if it meant my dog coming home yeah. after escaping. Like that's just I'm sure you're you're happy to be scraped up a little bit because Darwin has come home. Darwin has come home. He's safe. He actually did come when called once I uh, got around the house to to see where he'd, he'd gotten. Yeah. So I'm in pain, but I'm here and uh, I'm ready to talk about Star Trek. Man, you want to clean that wound or you just want to go into this one dirty? I mean, this is one of those scrapes that happened through my shirt. So yeah. I didn't actually make any like like direct contact with the metal. Did you ruin a good shirt? I don't think so. Yeah. It seems fine. Yeah, it looks yeah. great. I mean, it's just a nondescript gray sweatshirt. Yeah, you can get one of those anywhere. Yeah. They're fucking falling from the sky, man. <laughs> you know what's fallen from the sky, Ben, our, our new episodes of Star Trek. Yeah. Seems like every week we're getting another dump. The, uh, the hurl has really opened up and is uh, spreading... Tons of Star Trek on us. Yeah. We should probably just get right into it, don't you think? Let's stand underneath the spigot (laughs) as we talk about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 2, Penance. (laughs) An episode that starts with a long last time on Star Trek Picard. I couldn't believe how intricately they recapped the last episode. Especially, it's not like you're watching this on a television channel, Mm -hmm. and if you miss the first episode, you're like, oh, well, I really wanted to see this, but I missed the first one, so I guess this is where I hop in. Oh, thank goodness. There's a three-minute recap. (laughs) You know what this is? This is the Paramount Plus app going, we know how hard it is after a season has started (laughs) for anyone to go back to the first episode. Yeah. So exactly. if this is where you've begun because you just can't do anything else, <laughs> here's your catch up. It's a very, very long catch up. And um, when we uh, finally get through it, we get uh, an exterior earth. <laughs> and uh, the earth has a sort of uh, a grid around it. And when I saw this grid, my mind immediately went to that chain link grid in space that the entrepreneur encountered in encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. Interesting. I was like, oh, Q has encircled the planet in a in a Q grid. Ensphered the planet. Does that count as getting something wrong? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Look at you again. Uh-oh. <laughs> I pulled it out with only two things wrong the last time we recorded Star Trek Discovery mm. about Star Trek Picard. Well, uh it is not revealed to be the Q grid. Fuck, I just called it Star Trek Discovery, not Greatest Discovery. Fuck! Oh, man. Very <laughs> dangerous episode ahead for you, Ben. Oh, Jesus. And I'd have to leave the show if I get another thing wrong? You know the rules. Rules are the rules, Jimmy. We all do. And every friend of DeSoto has known the rules for time in <laughs> Goes back to the very first episode. Yeah. 
It's morning on Earth, Ben, and you can tell because the atmospheric sweepers have clicked on. Yeah. Kind of a high smog day. Yeah. So those scrubbers are going to work. This kind of looks like uh, sort of the end stage of any game of civilization that I've ever played. I never clear all of the fog of war. No. No, you don't. It's looking pretty smoggy out there. Probably want to keep it indoors if you can. Yeah. Keep your workouts inside if you're a Jim Shimoda type. Picard is getting the grand tour of his own house from Q, but it's not, uh, you know, it's a very weird version of his own house. What is this hellhole? This is not my beautiful vineyard. This is not my beautiful Laris, whose heart I broke in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. And that we'll never see again. Picard taking great umbrage with Q. I am too old for your bullshit. Does not like being toyed with. Just wants to be left alone. Just wants to teach his students and vent his wine. God, Harvey's just all up in his shit, too. Yeah. Between Q and Harvey, it's hard to tell who's more annoying in the vineyard. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's really damned if you Q, damned if you Harvey. <laughs> this is a really interesting scene because... Q tells Picard in the Qest language possible, Picard isn't the pawn. He's the very board of the game itself. Yeah. And when Q looks at Picard and gets a sense for his age and Q gets like right into his face. So many wrinkles. Yeah. There's something broken about this Q. Yeah. He doesn't look right. And even Picard notices it. And when Picard asks Q if he's all right, it made me wonder if anyone had ever asked him that question before. <laughs> it's such an uncomfortable question that Q snaps his fingers and he's like, all right, we're going on the tour. I don't yeah. want to talk about this anymore. Can you spot the differences? Like <laughs> Q brings Picard <laughs> to the end of the bar where there's that weird video game that, that the only guy at the bar ever plays. <laughs> the spot the differences between your universe and the one you're at right now. Uh, I believe that's called Highlights for Adults. Yeah. That game. <laughs> Questions are answered here like, what happened to the harvest? Where is the stargazer? Why are we still playing this Edith Piaf record? Yeah. And Q fucking hits Picard for his insolence. Yeah. He's an old man. You can't hit him like that. Brutal. Look at him. Too old. <laughs> at first, I had a real problem with this, but then I remembered how many times Q got hit by Cisco. Yeah. And I suddenly felt better. <laughs> yeah. This is a trauma response for Q. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Given that everybody is dealing with trauma responses in Star Trek these days, that's only fair. Picard gets punched in the face and Picard's like, I'm not Cisco, Cisco, Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another part of the tour is the kitchen of the chateau where Q introduces Picard to all of Picard's in-house Romulan slaves. They're just going to be here sharpening knives and... Uh, on their hands and knees, cleaning your floor. I thought this was still the same year that he came from. It is, yeah. It seems like the chores uh, are not very efficiently done. Well, it's like, you know, there was no reason that Bubba and Forrest should have to clean the latrine with toothbrushes. You're saying this is a punishment. Yeah, it's not about whether it's the right way to do it. It's whether it's the hardest way to do it for no good reason. This episode is called Penance, Adam. <laughs> what do you think these Romulans are getting? Yeah. Yeah, a whole lot of that. They can't even look Picard in the eyes. They're they're terrified of him. Yeah. Picard is uh, morally outraged by the implication that he would keep slaves. And I think this is low-key a really interesting part of this episode in retrospect because we 
learn more about like what is going on here, but the implication is basically like Picard would have different morals if he grew up in a different society. And yeah, that's a pretty heavy thing to lay on someone as self-assured in their moral center as Jean-Luc Picard. Picard asks Q a pretty urgent question here, which is like, not to get to Benjamin Franklin about things, but uh, is there a Laris <laughs> on the compound <laughs> that perhaps I could talk to? I know that Edith Piaf non je regret him rien, but I do have some regrets. <laughs> it's kind of the main thing about me now. Yeah, Picard collecting all kinds of things. Yeah. In the next room over, he sees the trophy room. Yeah. Uh, which is like the bar trivia room of season two of Star Trek Picard. It really is. Yeah. This is uh, a praxis that Lower Decks has uh, made mm -hmm. great use of. There's uh, the Klingon exoskeleton from season one episode of Discovery in there. Yeah. There's a bunch of ray guns. There's a bunch of skulls. I thought the Goldicott skull should be a little bit higher off of the base, <laughs> like his head was off of his neck. I think that the hugest revelation in this scene is that Ferengi have bones in their ears. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Nice touch. What the Neither fuck? did Martok either. <laughs> yeah. Old one-eyed Martok. You got to put the patch on the skull, right? That would have been fun. Yeah. Come on. Not a lot of fun to be had for Picard in this scene. Yeah. Martok didn't have an eye patch. I know that. Okay? Jesus. You see my point. Stop writing me. So I've gotten a couple of things wrong. You've got one thing wrong. Let's see who gets kicked off first. <laughs> got a Sarek skull? Yeah. Picard killed Sarek. Yeah. In this timeline. In this timeline, he didn't meld Sarek. He killed Sarek. Yeah. I mean, well, Picard would know not to meld with Sarek because it almost drove him crazy that one time, right? Wrong. It is wrong. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> maybe that's why he killed him in this timeline. Yeah. Get your hands away from me, Sarek. That was a real shit show. Fuck you. <laughs> Snicked. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the mentions of Martok and Gul'dukat were the strongest implication yet that we've gotten that Cisco is going to show up in this season. I mean, besides his name being uttered later on in this episode, yeah. Well, so far, I, we haven't even gotten to that part of the episode. Yeah. I'm, these are notes that I'm writing down in the moment that, that, that I'm watching. See, I know you're sort of a linear podcaster, but I'm more of a Quentin Tarantino style podcaster. I just, <laughs> I just jump around. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So Picard continues to take greater and greater umbrage, and uh, this is when Q kind of disappears and Harvey re-enters the room. And Well, before Q takes off, he's like, you want to stay here or you want to try something different? <laughs> and, it, and the implication is Q kind of knows what Guinan doesn't yeah. about Picard's backstory. And is Q dropping tears in this scene? I watched this moment over and over again, and it looked like there was uh, a tear trail coming out of John Delancey's right eye. He is uh, he's definitely a little bit on the verge. I didn't get the trail, but like they both have very watery eyes in this scene. Yeah. You know, when you get to be a person of a certain age, your eyes just, that's the problem. They're either too watery <laughs> or they're too dry. Right. So everybody's... Hitting the sustain right yeah. before they yeah. walk out in front of the lights. <laughs> yeah. 
the synthetic comes back and has not noticed uh, any cues wandering around the estate. Picard uh, asks about this. The synthetic is like, hey, man, you feeling okay? <laughs> you seem a little woozy. And uh, also reports that there's no evidence of Laris ever having been enslaved at this particular winery. Harvey's like, but if you're feeling it, you can smash me. <laughs> Hasn't stopped you before. I'm up for anything, boss. <laughs> That's the thing about Harvey's attitude is like, there's an incongruency with how he is with people and the darkness around them at all times. Like, why would you ever program Harvey to be like this if everyone is super stern all the time? Yeah. Seems like Harvey needs to learn to read the room a little bit, I think. Yeah. Harvey has really got clippy vibes. If you need me, just click the push pin on your toolbar. Bye! There's got to be just a pile of Harvey bodies on the compound <laughs> when General Picard loses his temper. Oh, yeah. Like when uh, he gets served Colombian roast instead of T. Earl Grey. Yikes. What the hell is this? What? 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 Sounds like nothing. What is going on? Run! Why? Why? I'm trying to save you. This ship isn't going anywhere. Why? Why? I'm trying to save all of you. Who are you? After the theme, we hear the alternate speech given at Starfleet Academy made by this Picard. And, uh... Yeah. A little bit different from the first one. Not as much crowd work. (laughs) No mention of regrets in the same way. Kind of reminded me of the studying up scene that they do in Discovery when they go to the mirror universe, like learn about your evil counterpart so that you can inhabit the role a little bit more authentically. I like that scene in Discovery. We don't get quite the same history lesson here. Instead, we just learn about what happened to Laris and Jaban. Yeah. Interesting that uh, Jaban's body also loaded into a misting machine in the vineyard (laughs) and used to fertilize the crops. Happened in both timelines. You don't let a ridgehead go to waste. Who's going to mow the grass, fertilize the apple tree? Yeah, except the problem is in this timeline, Jaban was alive when he was loaded in. (laughs) Yeah, and they loaded him in again, feet first. So he was screaming like the first three quarters of the time. Yeah. Uh, Harvey shares this bad news with his typical jovial attitude. My record show both were killed at the gates of Romulus. We could go learn about it in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mr. Spilled DNA. <laughs> I'm all over the walls. <laughs> Would you like to fertilize your crops? <laughs> Would you like to do a genocide? this is an interesting scene here because like i don't know if you ever did this when you played star trek video games especially but back when i was a kid and playing like nes or sega or any other like early platform star trek game i would always go to the computer the computer was always a station in those games and like search for shit to see if i could stump it right But this is a scene where Picard asks Harvey about Laris and Jaban and then stops. And I do not understand why he doesn't ask about Data or Riker or Geordi. It's just bullshit. Like, ask about the humans with what you know contextually about aliens. You're probably not asking about Worf. But, like, the very first thing I would do is try to find a friendly right here and now. And he doesn't do that. Well, he's he's expected in San Francisco 
for the big day. Happy Eradication Day, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, For all who celebrate, happy Eradication Day. Right. And then we cut to Seven waking up, and she's been unborged. Yeah, her alarm calls her Annika. Yeah. Another name of a person I could never marry. (laughs) Do you you think it would be Annika and Adam or Adam and Annika? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking of Annika Pranica (laughs) and how... How much she'd hate that. Yeah. Well, she probably wouldn't take your name. No. No one would. No one has. Much more likely to become Adam Hansen. Yeah. If we're honest. See, that's a great name. Named for one of the great admirals. Yeah. The marriage does not go well, Benjamin. <laughs> like every FaceTime call, I'm just getting rocked from... <laughs> Sorry, I, you're, you're breaking up. It's very hard to record a podcast when there's this much static. Dinner hasn't hit the table, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> she gets called Annika Hansen by her alarm clock and Madam President by her husband. Say what now? Yeah. It's fine, dear. I love Seven of Nine's, like, determine if you're in a fake reality or a dream routine. This is one of my favorite parts of the episode. Yeah. If you lived in Star Trek, it would be smart to have one of these. When you go to the academy, this has got to be one of the classes you take, right? Yeah. It's really cool. But uh, yeah, she's her jaw just keeps hitting the floor as she realizes that this is real and that she's president of Earth. And she's like, president of Earth? I don't even have a Fu Manchu mustache. What are you talking about? It's interesting how this episode suggests a feeling bad for her husband yeah (laughs) i don't know if you felt this way but i kind of did like this guy's just confused about being frozen out here like you could be a little nicer annika like this is a big day and he's just trying to help you with your speech why do you have to be such a jerk the magistrate is such a supportive partner to (laughs) president fascism and She is just looking down her nose at him the entire time. Yeah, I've got very confusing allegiances in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It is an episode that that really does throw you for some moral loops. (laughs) Yeah, we get a General Cisco name check as they are kind of like, you know, Aaron circuiting around talking about the big speech she's giving today. Yeah. Speaking of eye patches, there is... Zero chance that General Cisco doesn't have an eye patch, right? <laughs> oh, fuck. That would be great. Can you imagine how good Avery Brooks would look with an eye patch? You're damned right. Both eyes. Put patches on both. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah, she, she incorrectly refers to it as the Federation at one point. It's not that. It's the Confederation, so that you know it's evil. Yeah, like Confederacy, for example. Right. She's getting the reports, like, you know, the folder full of information that the president gets every morning that they're supposed to read. (laughs) She actually does it. Yeah. Good job by her. (laughs) You know, you get a fascist president from time to time and you hope that they don't read that. Exactly. Yeah. It works out better for everyone. Yeah. That's the case. But one of the the news items here is the Vulcan War that has popped off. And uh, Seven kind of snaps out of her state of confusion and has a ton of confidence about wanting to talk to one of the uh, generals out there from the battlefield. She wants to talk to Rios. Yeah, she wants to talk to uh, Colonel Rios, who we cut over to, and he is in the middle of a dogfight on the La Serena with a few other La Serena class ships and some Vulcan fighters. And 
he is just as disoriented as everyone else has been, except for he is like watching Vulcan ships get shot down in front of him and getting high-fived over FaceTime by one of the members of his wing, who's like, great job, Colonel. We wasted those pointy-eared freaks before they could meld us and scramble our nuts or something. Hey, uh, why aren't you using all that racist terminology you were using a few moments ago about uh, about drinking the green blood out of their skulls? Yeah. He gets the call from President Hansen, who is very delicate about how she tiptoes up to the, hey, stuff going weird for you? Yeah. Stuff's going weird for me. So, how's your day? <laughs> if you were to casually refer to me, would you call me Annika or <laughs> would you call me Seven? What's your reaction when I sweep the bangs from <laughs> this eye? How I always look? Or different. <laughs> I never notice when you get a new haircut. Yeah. One of the nice things about going into an evil alternate timeline as the president is you get a lot of pull. So yeah. she uses her presidential authority to order him back to Earth so that they, they can uh, continue this FaceTime in person. I know you and I had the exact same thought. Like, wow, it's good to be the president if you are confused and transposed into a different universe. Not so lucky as Elnor, yeah. uh, who is not given the power of an executive office is just on the ground watching buildings explode around him. Yeah. Pixies songs playing in the background. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I heard it, I heard when they released this episode in China, <laughs> uh, this scene was just replaced with some text that said they got arrested and everything was okay. I thought it was cool, like, how you could tell which building Elnor fitted for explosives by how it sort of, like, sliced in half. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, it vertically fell apart in kind mm -hmm. of a gross way. Okinawa, more like Explodinawa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we hear, like, what, 12 buildings blow up and we only see one? Yeah, this is uh, the dissident aliens on Earth trying to get back at the fascist government of Earth for laying waste all of these planets that they've subjugated and... Elnor's uh, got a lady friend who's celebrating with him while they look up at all these explosions when she gets hit by phaser blast. The revolution does not go well. I look up at all these exploding buildings and then I look into your eyes, Elnor, and I just know I'm going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> I finally have hope for the future. <laughs> yeah. So he has to uh, cut and run. And is fortunately saved in a dark alleyway by Raffi, who has been brought into this timeline as the head of Starfleet, or uh, I guess it's not Starfleet, it's Confederate Fleet Security, right? Right, yeah. And uh, she says, we want this one for questioning, saving Elnor's life, but uh, uh, having him uh, spirited away to some kind of black site, presumably. It just sucks that even in an alternate timeline, Elnor is attached to a hopeless cause. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, fuck, there's motorcycle bad guys everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> you can fucking kill every single member of the Jat Vash. You wake up and you're in fucking Okinawa surrounded by new fascist bad guys. Yeah. 
sucks. His life has been hard. Yeah. He's had a rough go of it. Back with uh, President Hansen, she's getting pretty impatient with her husband's constant questions. Yeah. Really smashing this guy's balls here. And you seem preoccupied with me, dear. How about I ask you a question instead? <laughs> what the fuck is even going on today? And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. So he explains what, uh, you know, why this day is different from all other days. And they're not just eradicating enemies of the empire from all over. They're eradicating the last of a particularly bad enemy of the empire. Yeah. This is going to be great. It's going to be the big finish, like the magic show finisher. Mm -hmm. I always save the biggest one for last. Yeah. I thought they were going to eradicate many types of species. Is that not the case? When we finally see it, it's just the one. Yeah. We're not going to ruin that surprise right now, but like- It seems like you would want to build up to that. Like that's the title match on the card, but you have a bunch of, uh, you know, welterweight- You want the undercard executions. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You don't start with the title card. That's like the big finale. Have we done an eradication day before, guys? Come on. (laughs) I got to think of everything. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he name checks Dr. Gerardi here. And Annika has been getting better at kind of playing along. But this, uh, she kind of breaks character again. And we cut down to a lab where Dr. Gerardi is having a conversation with Pat Oswalt voicing a cat. On an iPad. Meow. Yeah. I mean, I love this job for Patton. Yeah. I love the idea of a Clippy the Cat type (laughs) of character. Yeah. It's a lonely life when you're working in the basement on Eradication Day, if you're Dr. Gerardi. I want to note the design of this character, though. Like, if you're going to call the cat Spot 73, make it look like Spot from Star Trek. Data's cat. You know? Spot. I love cats. One question I had is that everyone else needs a little bit of time to find their level in where they've appeared and what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to present. Yeah. Gerardi has arrived in the basement here already working on stuff, already interacting with a Clippy Cat. Did she make the Clippy Cat to make herself feel better? Or did her universe opposite... Yeah. prefer the company of this character and she's just like you in anyone's house that has a cat there right like just getting along smashingly right from jump she met this cat and immediately the cat liked her yeah obviously meow i think it's that i think that she just slept in a lot longer than the rest of them because fair because she's hung over she like wakes up on the bench and is like huh so she's she's like way further behind when the president walks in. She is she's way less adept at convincing herself that she's in reality than Seven was. Like she doesn't have a set of tricks to, uh, you know, write down an equation on the on the mirror and lipstick. I wonder if there was any thought to transpose what Seven does with what Gerardi does, because crucially, Gerardi was the only one who quote unquote died drunk. Right. On the Stargazer. And for her to come to, I think would be one of those moments where like, am I, do I not remember what happened? Did I get that drunk where I thought I was on a ship that exploded and there was a Borg queen on the bridge? Have you ever been Borg queen on the bridge drunk, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) From time to time, I know we both have. What were they serving on that planet? Jesus fucking Christ. Tell me about it, sister. 
I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from, what am I gonna have for dinner, to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below-the-kilt care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. The president and the magistrate walk in and they want to see the specimen and... Um, Gerardi has to play along. She punches in the code that the magistrate gives her into uh, a wall panel and Borg Queen original flavor comes out of the wall. It's funny how she appears to be hanging like a 
plant in a hanging basket. <laughs> like her yeah, tentacles like, are, are, are tied up. Yeah. Maybe two of them are tied up. And is, is she hanging by her tentacles? Yeah. And they go like in like where her neck meets her yeah. shoulders. And yeah, she's like one of those upside down tomato plants. At any point did you think this was the Borg queen that was on the La Serena? Like just unhooded. You mean on the uh, Stargazer? At any point, did you feel like this was the Borg Queen that was on the Stargazer? No, no, no. You're not going to get away that easy. You've gotten two things wrong now also. So we are both on the bubble here, buddy. Uh, This is fraud. It's anybody's game. Answer the question. (laughs) This is like from the moment she's introduced, I'm thinking about that and I don't think it's resolved. I think that the implication is it very much is by the end of the episode, but... Uh, we don't have much to go on now, and the board queen seems very disoriented in this scene. I think you got a third thing wrong, Ben. I think they confirmed that this is a different board queen at the end, but they only reveal that at the end of the episode. So I think you get to stick around till well, that point in this but, episode of The Greatest Discovery. Uh, <laughs> All right, we'll argue about it later. All right, we'll tiptoe our way up to it. The queen asks for help like she sees seven yeah she's like you got to get me out of here this fucking sucks ah shit except for you're the one that escaped assimilation damn it right and then this is the weirdest part of this whole episode is she wings around in her basket and stares right at dr gerardi and just tells her exactly who she is and how she feels it is creepy as hell yeah the lighting in that moment was so good, too. Board Queen was so scary looking. <laughs> I don't know what kind of direction you give Allison Pill in this react, but I really like her react. It's, Do you think she Brandos here? I mean, it's a little early in the season for a Brando. Yeah, that's a bit of a fridge nuke if she did. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Love the moment and love the react. This is a great, great moment in the episode, I thought. The Board Queen calms down a little bit and... President Annika says like, oh, yeah, Borg queens have this transtemporal awareness thing. They can kind of like be in touch with different versions of themselves in different timelines. So that's probably what's going on here. Anyways, it's seeming like it's not an alternate reality, but some kind of a timeline screw up. Could you imagine Ben, the Borg queen, being (laughs) aware of not just all the regrets you have in this timeline, but no, throughout no. the multiverse of Benjamin R. Harrison's <laughs> out there, like every fucking screw up every Ben has ever made, you're just carrying that around. This sucks. No wonder the Borg are such assholes. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> they got a lot of axes to grind. Yeah. She knows it all, and it makes her scary. Every word out of her mouth makes her scary. Yeah. General Picard shows up at Starfleet Academy and... uh He happens to get there right at the same time as Raffi and prisoner Elnor is being thrown at the feet of Starfleet security people. Yeah, who I'm just going to call like pre-bifurcated at this point. (laughs) (laughs) These people are in a state uh, of uh, Schrodinger's cat. Like anytime they're not on screen, you can assume that they're either not cut in half or about to be cut in half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- you can tell these people are not going to choose to live. No. Just not. They don't really have that choose to live energy, do they? <laughs> Picard uh, kind of cuts this off at the pass. Nobody has to choose to live just yet because he's like, oh, I've been ordered to 
take uh, Rafi and this prisoner here before the president. And so uh, everybody listens to me because I'm a big time hero. Picard kind of uh, got into character here. Yeah. And uh, they meet up with the president in this little courtyard area where he's like getting chewed out initially by the magistrate for bringing somebody with a gun and a prisoner into a room with the president. Seems like a big security risk. Uh, Once again, putting you on his side, you know, like (laughs) just making perfect sense over here. That's the husband. Magistrate's making a lot of good points. Yeah. Uh, but they got to get him out of here because they got to just talk amongst themselves. These are all people that know that reality has been fucked up. And the magistrate seems to be totally clueless on that point. Right. So out he goes. and uh, His cluelessness is unfortunate for reasons we'll get into later, I want to say. Like this is, this to me was like an inflection point scene in what is the deal with this guy? He can't possibly be this dumb, right? <laughs> Well, I think he's just cowed. Like he's threatening to uh, yeah. check her for being brainwashed at right. some point. Right. So yeah, they talk about uh, the fact that something has been changed in the timeline and that this isn't the mirror universe. This is their universe, but meddled with in some crucial way. I know you're going to feel like this is derivative of a lot of mirror universe storylines, but it's totally different, you guys. <laughs> Do not compare this with the mirror universe at all. I mean, look at these emblems. Totally different emblems. This is the Confederation. It's, yeah. it's not an empire, okay? You're, you know what? It's stupid. It's stupid if you even confuse the two. I don't know how you could do it. <laughs> Both very distinct. Yeah, different, different, different. Um, but also, Q did this, and because it's Q, there will be some conditions to this test that will need to be satisfied, and they're going to need to figure out the puzzle. For instance, were one of us to go, all of us would then have to go. I uh, was very <laughs> insistent on that point. He said that I wouldn't have to do this alone, so you all have to come with me. <laughs> Whether or not the last episode made you confident in my leadership, right. uh, it's not really your choice. Yeah. It's funny, Elnor is the only one who recognizes Q by reputation. Yeah. How is Q not the most popular being anywhere in Star Trek? (laughs) Like, that's a very difficult secret to keep, I think. Elnor studied Q at the Academy, but uh, I guess Raffi has been out of school for so long and she's just had her mind on other shit. Yeah. So I like the end of the scene because Picard is like, don't worry, I'll solve everything and get you all out of this. I know when you last saw me, it was kind of a bad look. I was just kind of tired and staring and not making good decisions quickly. The only proactive thing I did the entire time was set self-destruct on a ship you were all on. (laughs) I saw you looking at each other when you heard all those zeros in my auto-destruct code. (laughs) As if it was tailored to me and my inability to remember information. Forgive me, I can't remember your name. Up in orbit, the La Serena arrives and we cut back down to the basement where Gerardi is hanging out with the Borg Queen. I would not like to hang out with the Borg Queen alone. Yeah, I would not be psyched for uh, for people to leave the room with me and the Borg Queen being the last ones in there. Should I just uh, shove her back in the stasis area or? There's kind of an effect that the Borg Queen has where she is able to turn herself in the case that she's in. Yeah. And like follow you around the room. 
I don't like that. It's creepy. Yeah. It's creepy. It's, it's gross. <laughs> I would probably want to put some more restraints on the board queen is what I'm saying. We get a little reunion with Picard and the queen. Yeah. The four people that were up in the courtyard beam in. Gerardi visibly relieved. And <laughs> Picard confronts her highness. Friend and foe. Yeah. I mean, the last time they met... He uh, had his hands around the base of her skull and spinal cord. <laughs> and, uh, you look a lot taller than the last time I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> you go all the way down to the bottom of your torso now. You know, I was very grossed out by the trophy room at the vineyard, but I will admit that the Picard of my timeline did keep a trophy, and it just so <laughs> happened to be your skull and spinal cord. <laughs> uh, nice reuse of the first contact Borg leitmotif here yeah. in, the, in the score. Yeah. Really creepy little interaction. She does some math for him. She says... A change happened in the timeline in Los Angeles in 2024. And somebody is there to help you. A watcher. You got to seek the watcher. This is a quest. <laughs> if, uh, if you weren't paying attention. I think they're talking about me. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I moved from San Francisco down to Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm 287 years old. <laughs> I mean, who else is the watcher going to be? It's going to be Samuel Clemens. <laughs> no, but seriously, let's let's stake a claim. This doesn't count as being wrong when we're eventually proven wrong. Who's the watcher going to be? I I think Guinan. Guinan is my is my guess. Who's your guess? I wish it were Guinan, but I think it's someone played by Brent Spiner. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Whose voice we hear in this episode? Yeah, he's like, uh, it's the statue of uh, yeah. Adam soon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Repeating the, the slogan that everybody knows, a safe galaxy is a human galaxy. The plan on the table after hearing about how crucial this inflection point in history is, is we got to do the time travel, guys. Time travel. Much like this is not the mirror universe. Mm-hmm. By any stretch. Not to be compared with the Mirror Universe, this story. Also not to be compared with any other time travel story. Right. Once we start talking about this plan. Those other guys went around the sun. Crucially, if this was the Mirror Universe and they also traveled in time, then they are just asking for another your situation. Right. Yeah. And that guy went crazy. And he was in a lot of pain. Yor did not have a good time. No. Time traveling in a different universe. So. I didn't have a good time either. Yeah. How do you think they felt? They had it really bad. <laughs> so uh, they're like, cool. So we got to time travel. How are we going to do it? We don't have a Spock to do all the crazy math that you need to do. But we do have this Borg's queen over here. I wonder if we could make some kind of bargain that is Faustian with her <laughs> to help us do it. They're like, how are you so sure this queen is even going to help us? I mean, she seems pretty happy here. <laughs> and Seven is the one to articulate the madness of this choice. She's like, look, you can stay here and be tortured and killed, or you could try to do time travel with us <laughs> and get a chance of going back to a universe where the Borg are strong. 
<laughs> she jumps at this. Maybe the best reason being she wants to be where the Borg are strong, which is the past. Yeah. She's got a kind of pack led orientation in this timeline. Yeah. We are strong. Do you think you get super dumb when you're disconnected from the collective? Like yeah. you, you go from all of the universe's knowledge as learned from hundreds of billions of people back mm-hmm. to just your own stupid brain. I'd like to see a reverse galaxy brain meme where it starts on galaxy brain and it goes through human, through Pakled to Borg Queen disconnected from the rest of the collective. That's the dumbest thing you can get. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. That is a uniquely greatest gen, greatest discovery meme. That's great. So they try to beam up to the La Serena, which is in orbit, and uh, Rios fails to complete the transport because a security field has gone up. And now comms are down. The security apparatus on this fascist version of planet Earth is uh, really on their game. And so we need a more elaborate, more high-concept jailbreak plan. So Picard starts issuing orders. He starts giving everybody jobs to do. Gerardi uh, is going to work on the transporter. Rafi and Elnor are going to go work on comms. And President Annika and Captain Picard are going to go do the ceremony to kind of make everybody think everything is going according to plan on fascist planet Earth. Yeah. The Borg Queen doesn't get a part in this plan. She gets retracted and yeah, put she's... out on stage. Like they don't get to play with her anymore. She's part of the show. Yeah. She doesn't get a vote. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) We're here to defend democracy, not to practice it. Yeah. So the ceremony calls for Picard to execute the queen on stage in front of everyone. Yeah. Something that he just feels like he'll be able to avoid once he gets out there. That's improv, baby. Yeah. Like, you're not going to go out there with any preconceived ideas. No. Uh, Can we get a suggestion from the rabble? (laughs) I'm hearing a lot of you say blood... Blood, blood, but I mean, where are you from? And, uh, why don't you suggest a job now? <laughs> blood man, I'm not really sure that is a job. <laughs> Was this the same stage redressed from the first episode, did you think? I think so, yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. It's a really startling design. It's uh, very specifically reminiscent of the Nazi rally at Madison Square Garden back in the day in its design, which I think I read recently that the guy that founded the architecture wing at MoMA designed the stage for the Nazi rally at Madison Square Garden. Wow. That's how you end up with penance. Yeah. So I thought that this was a pretty interesting redress of a set that we've just seen if in fact that's what it is but like that uh that nazi rally in madison square garden did not have the production value of this eradicator's got talent (laughs) because the lighting cues and and all and the music and the and the crowd that is just lit like it is all coming together in a very exciting show yeah so annika does her big speech and it's about uh hey this is the last of the Borg, we're going to kill her here, we're going to kill her now. You guys all got front row seats to see it. The crowd is going absolutely mental. They start putting on the, the clear raincoats in the front <laughs> row. Yeah, the first, first three rows get ponchos <laughs> issued to them. Better bring a poncho. That should have been in the, like, if Star Trek Picard is doing, like, the gift box for the season <laughs> premiere, clear raincoat. 
would be big fun. Would be great. Yeah. So as this is going on, we're cutting around to Gerardi frantically trying to wire stuff up to punch a hole for the transporter. We've got Raffi and her, her prisoner, Elnor, showing up in the security office at Starfleet HQ. And, With uh, kind of a lot of vertically oriented glass tables. Right. <laughs> yeah. Pregnant with vertical glass tables, <laughs> you could yeah. say this room is. And uh, yeah, she is like, have fun with this guy, kiddos. <laughs> the security guys are like, cool, someone with manacles on that we can just beat up for fun. I was just thinking about how both halves of my body are stuck together and how much I like that. <laughs> anyway, where do you want to go have lunch today? <laughs> I really love how the skin on my neck is continuous all the way down to my chest. And hasn't been slit at all? Nobody's MacGrubered me or anything. What's up, gang? MacGruber here. Do you think it's weird that every restaurant around our workplace is Pizza Hut? (laughs) Every single one of them. That's why no one out pizzas the hut. But up on stage, uh, the time has really come. The crowd is chanting, kill the Borg, spill her blood, make her squeal. I'm really going to do it this time. First, I'm just going to check the magazine one more time. I don't think that if you're going to do a public execution, you want to set it up where the president is downrange of the person holding the gun. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that the staging was really poorly thought out here. Yeah. You want your talent spread out in a symmetrical fashion on stage, though. It's more pleasing to the eye. So I get it as a stage show. That's true. Maybe uh, maybe president takes one or two steps back. Yeah. Just so she's not directly in the line of fire. Agreed. Yeah. This is a taffy stretching moment. You know, Gerardi and Raffi struggling to get their part of the plan done. Picard trying to like whip the crowd up a little bit. I love the moment where he like raises his fists to try and like. They're stretching the taffy, but he's like also getting the crowd more bloodthirsty. He's like Chris Farley in the movie Black Sheep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it goes a little long. Yeah. They notice that uh, the killing has not happened yet and they, they start to get a little bit impatient. Yeah. I mean, when you're this bloodthirsty and you don't get anything to drink, you're going to get pretty upset. Yeah. You don't want to go for a beer when you know the band is about to start your favorite hit, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, Picard didn't say, now we're going to play one of the ones from the new record. He's getting ready to play, like, the big radio cut from the last record by killing the Borg Queen. At this moment, Elnor just takes apart <laughs> the security detail around yeah. him in just a disgusting manner. <laughs> All he can do is gross fighting. The big badges have a a utility. They're not just extra big Starfleet logos. They are shuriken. I mean, the small badge could be a shuriken. You don't need the big polo horse to be a a greater weapon. But the small ones aren't sharp, crucially. And the big ones are sharp. Yeah. So they're dangerous. And Elnor uses them as weapons. Such a gross out. (laughs) The Admiral said to improvise. Finally, uh, right as uh, Picard starts having to shoot Starfleet security people that are running on to stage. Fuck, I did it again. God damn it. God fucking damn it. <laughs> Off the show. I, I don't like this. Fuck! One. God damn it! 
Ah! Even my dog is mad! I'm going to say this as as fully 46% of this show and this business that we have together. <laughs> I think it is wise to just give you a warning. Okay. And have you complete the show. I really appreciate that, Adam. A very stern warning is what I want to give you. I'm going to see if I can make it up to you somehow, okay? All right. That sounds good. So, he's shooting at the Confederation security guys, and finally they get beamed up. The magistrate's jaw drops on the fucking floor. He is shook (laughs) by this development. And on the transporter pad on the La Serena, all of our favorite friends, plus the BQ... Materialize. Did you get Futurama vibes from the Borg Queen beaming onto the pad? Just in this profile shot, it just looked like head in a jar style (laughs) being beamed up. Welcome to the head museum. Spock? And also the the part where Gerardi like pushes the head in the jar like into the back. It's the physicality of the moment for sure. Yeah, anytime we see her in the wide shot, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like a really impressive special effect, but it's also funny to look at. Gerardi just goes right to work with, with like plugging her in, and Rios takes great umbrage with this. Yeah. Like, he does not want his radio stations changed by a new driver. <laughs> like, it's still, it's his car, all right? Yeah. They're like, dude, we are not going to be able to do the calculations for time travel without her. And he's like, for time what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did somebody mention chroniton particles? Because uh, this is all coming as a surprise to me. This is why when you rent a car, they ask you not, they have a policy about not off-roading it. Right. This is Rios's <laughs> policy with the La Serena also. No time travel. Mm-hmm. That's why his bumper sticker says no time for time travel. We don't have the time. Does it look like it feels good when you patch a cable into the board queen's back? Yeah, feel it like, does look like it would feel really nice. feel like she kind of likes this. Yes, 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 yes. Yes! Yeah. Definitely like a maybe evil smile, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's a smile that seems like it could be that she's planned this all from the beginning. Yeah, it's it's definitely got that vibe of the episode of Lower Decks. They uh, have her all plugged in. They're getting ready to go do possibly rash time travel when someone else transports onto the ship. It's the magistrate and he's licking shots and he hits Elnor. He's not fucking around. I hate seeing Elnor take the shot here. Yeah. Why him? It feels like they're taking him off the board. Like Laris, like Jaban. Yeah. It's like Romulans aren't valuable to the show somehow. No, except as fertilizer. Well, I guess this is actually a place where I kind of wanted to bring this up is... There is this implication that the episode sets that this is going to be the crew for this season by mm-hmm. the way it is putting the team together in the alternate reality. Correct. But the thing that is occurring to me in this moment is since Gerardi was left behind in the thing, since we don't know where Frakes and Marina Sirtis are, like... There could be other people that aren't accounted for yet in putting the team together that could be from our original version of the timeline. I love that idea. Picking up some more passengers along the way. Yeah. 
So I don't know. Like I, I think that that is an arrow that is potentially still in this season's quiver. And it seems like the phaser wasn't set to vaporize, right? Like, you know, Elnor goes down, but he doesn't breathe his last breath yet. No. He's going to make it to the next episode. He's going to get paid for episode yeah. three. <laughs> At least one more time. <laughs> so the magistrate uh, tells Picard that he's a, a traitor to the Confederation. I mean, that just hurts the most, right? Yeah. You don't want to hear that from the magistrate. Very disappointed. And that is where we get our Picardized to theme. Yeah, did you like this episode, Ben? I really did. I liked it a lot. I think that this episode feels something like what I had hoped would come out of episode one, which is like a big adventure is afoot and it's not the same type of adventure that we're seeing on Disco. And it's also like got some really interesting connective tissue to past Star Trek that feels really different and new. It feels really clever and creative that they got the team back together in this particular way. And, um, you know, like I, I would say that like a fascist alternate reality is a place that Star Trek has gone a lot of times. And <laughs> it's like... Yeah, they're just visiting our reality is kind of the feeling. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to cut you off, so I want to let you finish. No, you, you can reply to that. I mean, I think that is a reason why I don't like this episode as much, because I think this is starting to crystallize a feeling that I'm having about new Star Trek outside of Lower Decks, which is its own thing. But like when you think about great TV shows, like the greatest TV shows in the 2000s, how many of those make its message central to what it's doing. I don't feel like many of them or any of them do the way new Star Trek does because Discovery is all about like inclusivity and being seen and being a part of a team and all of those really important things, like really important issues yeah. contemporarily right. are shown as aspirational in Discovery. And in Picard now, we're getting like the dangers of jingoism or nationalism or whatever or fascism mm -hmm. in a way that makes those messages central to the episodes or the seasons instead of the story i like my tv being about the story and it being up to you to kind of pick up the message as something riding along with you instead of dead center right to every episode or the arc of the whole season and well yeah, I, it's why I don't think these shows are great in the same way as great as great TV can be, because great television allows you to discover its message instead of making the message central to what it's doing, because message isn't story. I agree. And I feel like Discovery and, and Picard conflates them. I think that TOS is so didactic about message and TNG, like often those episodes took the form of little morality plays in a more sophisticated way than TOS, but still had that. It is crazy to think that TNG is more subtle about this stuff, but I believe that to be true. But I also think that like awful fascist future is when it's so 10 out of 10 obvious as it is in this episode, to me, it is just like Star Trek setting trope more so than it is like condemnatory in a way that is like trying to get the audience to be like, oh, wow, so I shouldn't be a fascist, you know? Like, Yeah, no one's, no one is arriving at that conclusion here. Right. 
you know, the Madison Square Garden Nazi rally banners in the Eradication Day set are so 10 out of 10 that it almost feels like camp to me. Like it's it's like Trek camp as as backdrop. And like the real problem in this episode is not what the timeline has been fucked up into. It's that the timeline has been fucked up. Don't you get the bends though going from like sincere heartache Picard to totally broad camp Nazi imagery? <laughs> like which one of those things are we supposed to take seriously? I think it takes the the Nazi imagery very seriously. I do too. I, I But I think that it's like Nazi imagery that is obviously bad. It's not like, oh, there is like a Nazi character in this that is, you know, compelling in a weird way or whatever, you know? I guess aside from the magistrate, nobody is there to ride for the worldview that these people have. I also wonder at the end of this episode, it diminishes Picard to make his mission saving this crew on the La Serena instead of saving everyone on this world. Yeah. Right? Like, isn't this such a smaller mission for him when you really boil it down? Like, Picard is about solving big problems. Well, he's going back in time now to solve the problem, but it's also to satisfy the judgment of Q, so... Yeah, I guess maybe I'm, my attention is in the wrong direction. I guess you're right. He is doing the big thing by going back in time. Right. So like this is where the, the Borg Queen question that you were posing earlier comes up is like this is the same reality, but with something changed in the past. So by that logic, isn't it the same Borg Queen? When Seven describes this queen as an original model. From the Stargazer. No, this one's more typical. That was the indicator to me that this was not the same person. Where my head went was if she's got trans-temporal awareness, there are other things that she can access in other dimensions that can see that a change has happened in this dimension. Mm -hmm. And like a data backup, be like, hey, like you're... Your situation has changed in the reality you're supposed to be in. You've got this like crazy Swiss watch head and you're like dock ocking your way through starships. And now you're like stuck in a fridge on planet Earth about to get your head shot off by a crazy guy. I mean, yeah. How smart can she be? (laughs) Because if you have intelligence that spans multiple universes and billions times billions of people like how'd you get caught idiot (laughs) how is that even possible yeah you're playing star trek chess against a computer that knows every possible move like (laughs) how did they capture the borg queen here i do not know maybe maybe we'll get a backstory episode in this season of picard uh yeah (laughs) uncomfortable question to ask i know we're all at the convention celebrating the most recent season of Star Trek Picard, but I just got to ask about how you present the queen's knowledge (laughs) and yet she's stuck in a fucking hanging basket that you'd find in a home and garden center. (laughs) Like if she knows everything everywhere across every universe, how'd she get got? I want to put the Borg Queen in a bay window over my kitchen sink and put some like fresh tomatoes picked from the garden. I really want to overwater my 
my bored queen into an untimely death. Ooh, looking a little wilty. Yeah, I'm observing some wilting on my bored queen, and it just makes me want to water her even more. Except I feel like it's making it worse. Is this bored queen root rot? For Christ's sake, man. Anyway, I'll take my answer over in the merch hall. Get a life. Ben, it is time for us to take our Priority One messages over in that part of the episode. Yeah, let's go do that. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Our first Priority One message is from Max FunCon Solo Rider, and it is to Max FunCon FODs with a Previa. It goes like this. I'm a single rider looking to get to Max FunCon from LA without using Facebook. Hmm. Yes, I'm Mornhammered. And then uh, I think they're asking for a Chris Brenner drop right here. I'm Chris Brenner. Brenner Information Systems. You know, interface, operations, net access, channel 90. That Chris Brenner. (laughs) And uh, this person has put an uh, email address here for uh, anybody that is heading up to Max FunCon and can provide wheels, it is MaxFunSoloRider at gmail.com. That's M-A-X-F-U-N-S-O-L-O-R-I-D-E-R at gmail.com. So if you're going to Max FunCon and got a spare seat in the whip, reach out. Yeah. Yeah, are you going to Max FunCon? You know, I was uh, I was talking to a friend the other day. I don't know definitively whether I am or am not. I don't know either. Hey, I'll give you a ride if uh, if you're heading up there. <laughs> I think we were both originally supposed to be there when it was originally scheduled because this is yeah. this is Max FunCon 2020 that's happening, right? That's right. But it's in 2022. Yeah. 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 The timeline is so fucked, man. <laughs> Time has been broken. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like we're in the wrong place. I think we better go back and change it. What do you say? I'm ready. I'm ready to read the second prior to one message, Ben. It's from Zach Brager, and it is to Ben and Adam, or alternately, Adam and Ben. Hmm. Message goes like this. Unlike TGG, I've been following TGD since day one and laughing all the way. Thanks, Zach Brager. I listened to the first season or two of Disco on your pod before I actually got the CBS app and watched the show. Wow. Imagining how the show looked with only TNG, DS9, and Voyager special effects as reference in my mind. And gleaning only what little story I could hear from your recaps. Wow. It was a blast. Zach Brager. Wow. Uh, this is, uh... the, our show is not meant to be used as a substitute for actual Star Trek. I don't recommend it. Zach Brager had like a, an experience that's like one more remove than the way you experienced the McDuff episode of TNG. Yeah. Hey, Zach, how long have you been grounded? <laughs> I hope you're free soon. Wow. Well, uh, I hope getting the CBS app wasn't too much of a letdown. And I uh, am glad that you've been listening to us from day one, Zach. Uh Wow, thanks to everyone that got a P1 for this episode. And uh, if you're interested in getting one for a future ep, uh, we've got a lot of inventory open on The Greatest Discovery. Just head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin. You know, Dorati 
I feel like it's very much written to be the Larkin of the show. True. But today, my Larkin is the magistrate, mm. because when his wife, President Annika, gets beamed up, <laughs> the magistrate looks so fucking shocked, but he also looks up <laughs> like he's going to see where she went. <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. That's how like they used to on TNG hit their communicator and look up when they're talking to someone. Yeah, yeah. They stopped and, doing uh, that halfway through TNG, but that was big fun. I just got a big pop when when he did that. I thought uh, this actor made a great choice with how to play that moment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he spent a whole bunch of the episode getting his, his dick punched and uh, – this moment was uh, no stranger to that energy, but it was played for, for funny in a way that I thought was really smart. I wonder what happens to him. He let them get away. Also not a good position. Yeah, but now he's on the ship, blasting at him. Yeah. Ben, my Edward Larkin is Raffi. Wow. For one specific moment. When Raffi brings Elnor to the security station where she works mm-hmm. and sort of mm-hmm. dumps him on the ground... She tells her coworkers, Merry Christmas. <laughs> now that is either a mistake, like something like a writerly mistake, like anachronistic dialogue right. that wouldn't be present, or it absolutely belongs there because this is a workplace that definitely celebrates Christmas <laughs> over all other holidays <laughs> and everyone gets the reference because in this mm-hmm. house- we say yeah. Merry Christmas. Before President Hansen, you never heard it. Nobody ever said it. Now, yeah. President Hansen, you hear it everywhere. Look, in the Mirror Universe, uh, we don't know who won the war on Christmas. <laughs> That's what makes this universe distinct and not yeah. the Mirror Universe at all. Yeah. This is the timeline where Christmas won the war. <laughs> I mean, it seems like in the Mirror Universe, like the Greek myth religion won the war on Christmas. That's why everything's called like the Charon and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. True. So. Yeah. So anyway, Raffi, for that wow. reason, is my Edward Larkin. <laughs> I love it. Good stuff, Adam. Well, uh, the next episode, we have the title, right? Yeah, do we do. in front of you? It is called Assimilation. All right. Assimilation. I hope not of Picard back into Locutus. I'm excited to see this episode because it's directed by Leah Thompson. Whoa. Are you right? kidding? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That rules. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I am pumped up about this. That is very exciting. Well, that will be next week on The Greatest Discovery. Less than a week from now on The Greatest. Or no, it'll be, it'll be one week from now on The Greatest Discovery, right? Are we still in like, uh, we're doing two a weeks right now? Uh, for the first three episodes, the episodes where there's a Picard and a Star Trek Discovery on the same Thursday, right? we will be dropping Picards on those Fridays. Right. But Discovery stays on Tuesday where it belongs. Until Great. Discovery season is over, <laughs> at which point Picard gets moved into that Tuesday spot right. until that's done. This is as easy to explain as our Max Fun Drive prize last year. If I got any of that wrong, <laughs> Wendy is going to be in the credits. Yeah, she'll correct you. Giving it to you right. And uh, if we get a description for next week's episode, she'll also give that to you in the credits. So take it away, Wendy. The Greatest Discovery is an expert Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. 
It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next week on Tuesday, we've got a review of Star Trek Discovery. And then next week on Friday, it's another extra episode of The Greatest Discovery covering Star Trek Picard. If you want to help support these shows, we would love to hear from you with a P1 message. Get in there at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. The original music for this show is by Adam Ragusea. A big thank you to him. And thank you as well to the card daddy, Phil Tilly, who manages the at Greatest Trek social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.